Welcome to Commagers. I'm Brian Costello. I'm Jim DeSanto. And I'm Katie. And today we are continuing sequel September as we discuss Sigourney Weaver in James Cameron's Aliens. But first, as always, we ask the most pressing question of every episode. What are we drinking during this creepy experience in outer space? I'm having a, a fruit tea, cold fruit tea. Mm-hmm. What, is, what, what is... I don't know. It's Katie's concoction it's just mm-hmm. tea it's it's, just, it's, it's just, iced tea of some sort but it's it's, it's blue. No, there's so there's no alcohol in there no and just no alcohol tonight for me that Hydrating. looks like something out of alien that's what yeah. i the said movie actually like a futuristic drink that they yeah. consume and in its honor i am drinking bishop's blood is that milk of course wow it, it's pasteurized though it is pasteurized. It is a, yeah. We've established on our other <laughs> podcasts, Jim has issues with milk. I did. On our Shits Creek podcast. Maybe so it has to do with how feel, much I watched Aliens when I was a kid. So Maybe good. it does. So feel free to listen. Well, actually, you I can't would, even listen. I would lick Bishop's blood right up. Okay. Oh, God. <laughs> that is so disturbing. I can't even begin to function. It's uh, delicious. Well, be moving warm. on. Uh, make sure you listen to the Shits Creek podcast the shit show i'm gonna Can throw up i'm just, I'm I'm just, just trying, throw to, up. I'm trying to move right past i like the way that, that. it comes out of his organs yeah. too mm. he has okay. like intestines mm-hmm. yeah well let's save that for another time there's a lot yeah. of intriguing anatomy <laughs> mm-hmm. featured in this film from different species huh? as well oh uh God. we are thrilled to have katie back mm-hmm. Took a little bit of a longer vacation. Glad to be That's here. cool. Glad to be here. Uh, we're also be th- uh, thrilled to be celebrating our third Commager anniversary. Commagers, believe it or not, has turned three uh, this year. We're a toddler. Yes. Or, mm-hmm. Is that right? Three-year-old? No, I think you hard can be... Hard and fast like, rules. About who's a toddler. and Like, yeah. you go, like in our preschool... In my in Kieran's preschool, he is in the toddler room and yeah. he is only turning two. So mm. I think you, you could, could be, be a younger that, toddler. You could, be, you could be in that range. Yes. We are preschool, on preschool now. We are yes. like preschool aged. Sure. Yes. Okay. All right. Let's go with it. Okay. Almost it is potty trained. time for the rundown. Here yeah. we go. What do you got? Oh, God. What do you got? I have for to tell us? you, I the rundown might take the whole episode. Like okay, that. Fair. This might This might be the whole thing. Well, me and Brian will it is go to bed. Quite long. All right, hold on to your horses. When we last saw Ripley, she was the lone survivor and her cat of an alien attack on her crew. When she awakes, 57 years have passed. Her child has died, a grown woman, and no one believes her story. So on a quest for redemption and a last resort, Ripley joins the company mission to investigate another incident with the mysterious life form. Once there, the crew finds a devastated colony that tells the sad story of annihilation. And again, there's one lone survivor, a little girl named Newt. History repeats itself. The whole crew is decimated. The aliens have strike, struck, struck again, struck again, struck again. But this time, Ripley has a debt to settle and a child to protect. Little does she know, she's not the only mama in the colony protecting her kin. And the other mom has a lot more arms and teeth and legs. That's like a legitimate, like almost IMDB Uh, analysis of the film. 
like I took it very seriously tonight. I want you're gonna post that on Amazon as a five star review for aliens. Yes. Five stars. <laughs> five stars. Five, five, yes. five stars. Five stars. Uh, okay, we don't do stars. We do letter grades on the scale mm. of A plus through Chris Monero's The Rookie. How would we grade aliens, Jim? This is uh, this one's really tough for me because I want to give it an A. Why wouldn't you? Well, yeah, why wouldn't you? I think because you I feel very... like I'm letting my nostalgia overwhelm my. You think so? Maybe. I, I, although I will say, in this watch, I found even more things I liked about this movie, and I think the special thing that it does for me is that I get so wrapped up in how intense and how well the story is told that I, do, I even know some of the things that don't make any sense, and I don't care. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hmm. Agreed. I was going to say, like, the only things that pull it into an A minus for me are a few things in the plot where I'm like, ah. We can talk but, about those, but let. But I, I still love it. I'm I mean, going I a. hate it. I'm going with an A. a. I hate Katie, it. It Katie, makes me. Oh. Katie, you're an A minus. Oh, no, it's an A. I, oh, no. I'm just saying, okay. like, I, it makes me almost vomit every time I watch <laughs> it. Like, I, my stomach still hurts from watching this movie, but um, it's so good. All right, I need to plug my beer first. Tog Island. Oh yeah. Oh shoot, IPA. right. Well, I forgot. Okay. I was so disgusted by the milk conversation. That yeah, I, I, we I, needed to get I, past that. I, I blacked out that like twenty five <laughs> seconds from my experience. Uh, I here's my thing. So we, you know, we're kind of comparing sequels. I feel like we're yeah, in a yeah. run of where it's sequels here. So I gave uh, Lord of the Rings: Two Towers a B plus. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I think it's better than Lord of the Rings Two Towers. I don't know if it quite gets to an A for me, but it's definitely an A minus. I think I could push into an A potentially. Yeah. I could. I think by the end of the episode, I could. I could maybe see myself giving it an A. Yeah. I, I think I need some clarification on certain things. Like I'm not quite clear if some of the plot points are enough for me not to. You know, to knock it down a letter grade, uh, but I would certainly watch it again it, it, very recent, you know, in a very quickly. And it was significantly, I think, even better than I remembered it to be. What is the year on this film? 86? My God. 86. 86. I it's think. incredible. Yeah. So, like, incredible. I, I struggle. See, this, it's weird. As I get older, I think the gap between Alien and Aliens gets closer for me. Yeah. Which is really strange because you would think this is more of a movie that I think aims for a younger audience. But yeah. But I don't... There there are themes and things going on here, especially if you watch the special edition. The 90s special edition um, is two and a half hours long. I've, Brian, what, did you... Ever get the running time of the other one? The other one was about two fifteen. Okay, so there's about a about. A, I mean, that's with credits and stuff. So we're probably talking probably about ten minutes of footage. I yeah. would get. I would gather. And it I did adds read some about really some of, good stuff. Yeah, I did read about some of the stuff that it adds. Um, one. So the, the I think the ninety special edition is a little bit slower, obviously, um, and the parts that added are a little more brooding and kind of. Really, I mean, this is a really cynical movie. 
at the end oh, of the day. Oh, very, yes. And it adds way more to that piece, I think. But um, it's interesting. I mean, so saying that, like adding... Sometimes I do feel like those, um, like the extra cuts, the director's yeah. cuts, th th it doesn't fit as well into the film, especially if you've seen the well, original like version, they, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. It's not always edited as well and feels a little clunky, gets a little long. This did not feel any of those things. No. If you hadn't pointed out to me what was added in, I wouldn't have known. It it was still. It, well, it let, still let me felt just say. Let me say the big cast. thing. The big thing that's added is that you see Newt and her family and the colony before the Colonial Marines get there. See, I thought, and that it does not happen in the in the regular version. You don't it does see not at all. You don't and see actually, the colony until they get there. And I think it's. You never see her family? No. No, no. In the non And we didn't watch edition. this version before? We probably, yeah, we probably did. Oh, okay. Because yeah. I feel like I saw that. I had seen that scene yeah, that yeah, before. Yeah, yeah. before. yeah I, I have to say, <laughs> it's interesting to me because, so I read the description of what was in it because I know you guys watched the special edition one. Mm -hmm. um, and I have to say, maybe I would feel differently if I saw that scene and what it provides. I kind of liked not, seeing what it was beforehand. Well, I'll be I, honest. It, I think it makes it even worse. Like, it, like it might, when you find her and you yeah. get like but I, but how I'm much time of, has passed. Yes, it, yeah. I'm kind of talking about to me, one of the things that I found so intriguing about this movie was how James Cameron, it was almost like a Jaws element to it. Like he kept, we know what the aliens look like already, right? Because we've seen the first movie by that point. We know how destructive. But they, they change can be. them and pretty significantly. For they this. do, but we, but we, but we know, right? Like, and but he plays with that, you know, yeah. in a really interesting way, almost in the opposite of um, what I think sequels with monsters do sometimes, which is they up the uses of the monsters immediately. And I'm thinking of like the second. Jurassic Park, like you see a lot more dinosaurs faster, um, yeah. you know, in the other Jaws movies, you see the things a lot faster. I like how he played that out. And I actually was really intrigued that I know in the special edition or the 90s edition, there's even more of it that they weren't willing to invest the amount of time in Ripley before we got to that planet. Yeah. Like, I don't feel like modern blockbusters and i'm even surprised actually from an 80s blockbuster that they wouldn't it's about a half hour worth of effort before you well, even get to that planet that's and that's second, intriguing to me that's the second piece that they add which is they they add the piece about ripley's daughter um and some additional just like some additional scenes kind of around her um you know, trial or whatever they call that. It was, a, it was more of like an inquiry board or something. Um, and, and, and it just kind of fills that out. And for me, it does kind of make you understand that from the time that they find her in the ship to the time that she gets back to LV four to six is months. Yeah. And that is helpful for filling that, that one plot hole, which is like, you know, I because I said to you, I was like, okay, so 57 years have passed, but like technology hasn't changed yeah, at all. Yeah, she still like, knows she how to drive like, a loader. And I'm right, like, no, that's what she's time been doing. Time has passed. She's right. She's been working with. Right. Yeah. Yes. Gotcha. And, and, and you get to see her having those nightmares, which 
you know, on day one, she says, I would never go back there in a million years. And then you don't know how much time's passed, but it's clearly like she's thinking that maybe she can like get some closure and stop right. having these nightmares the, or whatever. Life is not worth living are, for right, her right, right now. Right, there right, is no perfect. joy in life right, right now. Right. So what what could get worse? Yeah. Um, uh, uh, tangent, just a little one because yes, this yes, just struck go. me. So when we watched Predator, we commented on how different the tone of the films is. Like Predator is not as outright terrifying as right. Alien and Aliens mm. are. The thing that struck me as similar in the two films is the role of the crew, the team. Like those characters and like just their dynamics together, their individual personalities, the little bit of humor that you get, that aligns, I think. Yeah. So, just wanted to note that. It does. The it, Predator um, and Alien team. Yeah, and that well that that's totally different than well I think, you know, that's the big difference between Alien and Aliens. And Alien it's like a bunch of blue collar truck yeah. technically they called them like space truckers right and in this you have a seasoned military right outfits, marines which right yeah and those you know because space marines colonial marines yeah. space force yeah and so you know i'm not gonna laugh at that the um the <laughs> the she's come on she's good she's, she's I, i'm not gonna laugh, laugh at that there. but i will laugh at the fact that i'm telling you i'm not gonna laugh at it um you know those movies made around the same time have you know very similar draw they're drawing from a very similar like military experience or like what the the idea well, of like a military team in the mid yeah, 80s and it's is. also all tied like all of those films still have such a heavy bent and influence from vietnam but what i love uh -huh. as well what i loved about this team specifically is that while we see familiar things like we have the loudmouth captain and he's yelling and he's doing that you got the guy in charge who's never really seen action, which is that's right, also right. a common trope. right. You have you have the season, you have the loudmouth in in Hudson, and you have you know Hicks, who's like the badass, who's quiet, cool, calm, collected the whole time. But they never feel like caricatures to me because mm -hmm. they, they go so far, but they don't overstep into like craziness. Except some of the Hudson moments, and I think. I think Bill Paxton's incredible in this, by the way, but I think he he's they're playing with the idea of stress with him, which I think is really interesting. Um, as I as I get older, I feel more understanding of his character. I don't know. Um, it just it comes through in his voice in a weird way sometimes. And his like, eyes and the way and, he's look, who he's looking at when he's talking. Know, maybe to. it's because I feel like a lot of his lines have been like sampled. As, but it's like his monologue too. Like some he's yeah. so most of the time he's just talking to himself. Yeah, it's just there is some sort of a quality to it that feels a little unreal. Right. Yeah. But 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 like even like the captain and like you know he never gets to the point where he's like not believable like yeah. he he is yeah he's amplified but yeah you could absolutely believe that he exists right. well, well what's interesting about this movie is i i think it walks this line there's a lot of movie cliches in this movie like a ton of them right yeah the countdown at the end of the i mean like all these things that you see in films but cameron's able to 
pull them off. You know what I thought about a little bit is, you know, I love the Mission Impossible movies. There was an element of Mission Impossible in in this respect. Those movies play on those cliches as well. Right. But they bank upon really good filmmaking in terms of cinematography, lighting, action. And the characters are all kind of archetype characters, but there's like just enough about who they cast in the role and what they're able to pull off that it works. Now, sometimes it can't work. Right. I mean, and there's tons of examples of alien aliens like movies that don't work or Mission Impossible movies that don't work because they just don't. Maybe they they don't have a James Cameron or a Tom Cruise or something like that. And it kind of shows you to me, this kind of my mind elevates somebody like a James Cameron. And you see kind of like, yeah, this is him as a filmmaker. You know, he's, you know, under the hand of like a Rennie Harlan or some of these other like 1980s directors. This just I don't think this would have worked. I don't think and, and like even Sigourney Weaver, I don't think would have come back because they were pushing her for a while to do it. And she's like, you know what? I, I don't want to do it unless I see a story that interests me and all this type of stuff. And Cameron's able to do that because tonally, I think this movie at points is very different. It's very unique from what the original movie is when we talked about it. And I think it's a great example of taking a sequel and honoring some of the great stuff about the first movie, but it's not, it's certainly not a carbon copy no. of alien no, I agree. by any stretch agree. of the imagination. Yeah, no, it definitely takes that, that the suspense of alien is kind of removed for a, basically an action piece, um, which is incredible. Um, but it is kind of like a whole different vibe. And you have in the notes here, like, when where did I see it? It said like when it finally takes off, it takes off. Um, or when things kick off, they kick off. Like it is intense from the moment that the aliens kind of make themselves known to the team and you lose basically half more than more than half the team. Yeah. Um you don't breathe. You don't breathe for, for the, the rest, rest of the, the movie. movie. Yeah. Even in the quiet parts. Yeah. Like Cause you're always waiting. You're yeah. just waiting. Cause you know, they're there, you yeah. know, they're there. They could be and, in any room. And, and I think that's partly to the brilliance again of being a sequel. When we've experienced the alien before we, we know what it is. So how do you ratchet it up in kind of a new way? Like yeah. he's, and I thought a few of the things in this that I thought particularly are brilliant is like the editing of it. I think there's like, there's enough homages in the editing um, to like other films. And actually I remember like the beginning phase with the ships floating in through the air. And I didn't realize this. And I actually looked it up after I'm like, that's 2001. Yeah. Well, the editor Ray Lovejoy edited 2001 with Stanley Kubrick. I have a question for you, Brian, about that. In the version that you watched, did they do the fade? Did they do the, crossfade from Sigourney's face to the earth. Yes. Or yeah. And that was, that's very 2001. Yeah. But there was also what was also really interesting to me. And I didn't even think about this till after I watched it. And I was looking up that Lovejoy had edited this. He also edited the shining. Mm -hmm. And I think there's like, and I just like now thinking about scenes and the way some of those things were cut, I I just felt like there were really interesting elements of it. And then he also edited Batman, the Michael Keaton one. 
And that's like what jumped into my mind, though, is remember when the Batmobile is yeah, racing driving. through Gotham? To me, those that was cut almost identically to and he had would have cut this movie first and then Tim Burton's. Yeah. Like, I feel like that aliens affected how he cut the Batmobile sequences. Mm-hmm. So I thought that that like often I don't know if we talk a lot about editing, but I thought the editing in this film. Yeah. And I know Jim Cameron's very involved in the editing with him, but it was brilliant. Could we compare this to any other film in that time period that had such badass strong female characters and like well, I mean, didn't de- make a big deal about them being female. No, no, right? I think, well, I think that's still an issue, Katie. I think, right. if you I mean, look it's at pretty, any list, and that's sad yeah, that it still feels know, remarkable. Right? If you look at any movie list, right. Who yeah. is the best female action? I mean, yeah. I guess you could say there was almost no comparison. Now maybe you'll throw some Marvel or DC characters in there with the superheroes. But prior to that, I mean, you could have said in 2000, people are probably still saying in 2001, two, three, four, five, yeah. every year. No, it's Ripley. And I, and I think, right. And I think that there is this false notion that like a female lead is for a female audience. Like the audience for this movie is certainly not female. But she is fierce. And then we, I mean, we have two, three, three other female characters in the crew. It's interesting that, um, yeah, so like, I was thinking about this with Ripley. So like, in the first movie, she, it's very slow for her to step out and to become the hero of the movie. You're not, I mean, if we know that almost because as kids, I feel like I was more conscious of seeing aliens before alien maybe. And, and, and I know it's I probably, probably didn't do that, but I was more I interested in wa- rewatching. Well, aliens. it's probably the same thing with a lot of that movies yeah. from those time. Like the ones that were on prism and HBO, you were always seeing Beverly Hills cop two more, right? You were always seeing die hard two more. Like right. the sequels were the ones that were playing constantly on the cable channels that we would have had access to, as opposed to the original. Right. And so, you know, by the time we get to aliens, she is sort of kind of broken in the beginning and is the only one taking this, this mission seriously, but she doesn't really take over until that moment. She decides to go save the team where Brian's talking about when mm-hmm. she drives, oh, yeah. when she takes control of the, the, whatever you call that thing, the tank, the car, because the other guy is not, because, yeah, to. Gorman's screwing everything up. He's, he's scared. Um, and that part is amazing. You know, when she, she busts through the doors, the, the one thing I'll say about this movie that I wish, and it's probably just a sign of the time when this was made, the action in it is a little claustrophobic for me, as far as like understanding what's happening. And we talk about that a lot, but it also works for this movie because I think this movie's supposed to feel claustrophobic and, and you're yes. not supposed to quite understand what's going on. Cause no one, because I, I think the confusion is like, that's the team is also kind of having that confusion in the moment. But like when she, I always had a hard time visualizing like where they were and where she was driving from and how she got to them. And that, yeah, that, that, that is, just is what it is. But yeah, I think that that's fair. Cause actually I think, Beyond that, the driving part was weird. There were times in this movie where maybe where I'm not an A, I felt like it was a little hodgepodge, you know, yeah. like at, at points in the driving sequence. It was like, OK, that's an action sequence or a stunt or something they're putting in. And I get it. It was cool and stuff. But the, 
the claustrophobic and the lighting piece is like the combination of, I think, Lovejoy's editing, which is, again, like it's a very intense like that's where I love the shining cuts. I felt like there was some element of like they're trapped yeah, almost like on this planet, like Nicholson and his family were trapped in the hotel. But also the DP is Adrian Biddle, who took this and used a really I think it's kind of a cult sci fi film. But if anybody's ever watched Event Horizon, yep. which is a great like cousin of this movie, in my mind, in terms of how they lit it, it's terrifying the use of light the way like he sets it, especially when the aliens are yeah. coming and sequences, but he's also, you know, shockingly the, the cinematographer from this film is also the cinematographer from Kitty and Jim's possibly one of their favorite all-time films. Princess the princess, Bride. princess bride. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can you imagine being the DP for the princess bride and aliens in like a two year period of time? Talk <laughs> about a tonal shift yeah. from you for that point. Can we talk about Paul Reiser as a villain? Oh, my God. Uh, we can spend we could probably spend the whole episode on Paul Reiser. Yeah. Burke has always been, in my mind, the biggest sleazeball in any movie of all time. Mm-hmm. Number one, I will always go with him. And mm-hmm. it's hard for me to even like even when someone picks a bigger piece of shit than him. Mm-hmm. Or what they think is, I can always figure out a way that he's worse. He is worse. My, one of my biggest problems, and I get that it is necessary, is that Ripley knows he's a piece of shit. And she lets him sort of go about his business and is like, I'll deal with you well, when we get back stateside. Yeah, I right? guess. When, I, no, no, like, when she's, but, when's but, that happen? When she says, like, when we get back, I'm going to nail you to the wall. Yes. And then she doesn't really clue anybody else uh, in but, what's but going on there. So time out. There's a difference between that Burke that she's that she's yes. deciding she, to. She, true, that's fair. That's the only, interesting. The only thing she can she can pin on him there is that he made a really shitty decision. That was responsible for a whole lot of people dying. Right. And but he does can, hold what, some power in this scenario. Right, right. But listen, what, what there's that, this, there's not a translation to him trying to kill her. Or there's, anybody. He yeah, didn't yeah, try yeah. to See, kill those you know, people. I know, I got you. And I think it's hard to watch the movie again. That's you know, another. You, you know who he is. That's and another so, thing that's weird, though, about this movie that I kind of ignore is that she picks that moment to freak out on him when she's known that bit of information since they got there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, yeah, and all of a sudden she starts yelling at him, which is, it's not weird in the way that the film's edited, but if you actually think about it, it's like, no, she would have went and yelled at him the moment she read that information, not yeah. like hours yeah. later. But Bri has in the notes, and I, I agree, like, the moment that she wakes up, so she finds Newt sleeping under the bunk, oh my God. puts her giant gun on top of the bunk. No, thinking, outside the room. Yeah. No, no, no. No, no, no. She puts it on top so of the bed. Right, that's right. I forgot about that. And yep. then she wakes up and just sees a beaker, a glass canister Rolling moving around. on the floor and oh. knows that the alien is okay. out there. Heck no. No, this will tie into something I want to talk oh, about. Oh, that a poor kid. Be- I mean, please. Before we get to that, though, I was very excited on this rewatch to realize that aliens is part of the buckaroo bonsai universe because Paul Reiser <laughs> is clearly inspired 
by Buckaroo Bonsai at the beginning of the he goes from being Buckaroo Bonsai to a member of the L.L. Bean catalog. By the way, he's walking through the alien planet in an L.L. Bean outfit. He clearly ordered everybody else is in body armor. And by the way, this is back in 1986. So it's from the L.L. Bean catalog. It is not from my line ordering. Now, here's the deal, which is funny. Like I, I, as soon as I read this, Brian, the the guys, I love that they decided that the way that they're gonna make them like futuristic is just their collar will be turned up, and that's <laughs> and everyone at the inquiry has that. Like all the men are wearing suits like that. The women are just wearing the one woman at the at the inquiry is just wearing like a power suit. Yes, and. And Ripley just has 80s hair. And smoking like is just even <laughs> more rampant than it was in the 86. People decided to double down on the yeah. smoking. Yeah, like, no, it's so, all good. Well, Let's do why? it more. Because smoking is actually probably better than the atmosphere. They're breathing <laughs> from, yeah. from the That's pollution true. that so, exists. But it is so funny because then like he go, they go on this mission. So the Marines are all wearing Marine gear. Ripley is wearing what looks to be like a, like a, like a jumper with a members only jacket over top yeah, of it. I love that. Yeah. Good, good um, call. Absolutely. Which is garage mechanic, which I have yes. to mention. This is, if you're a stranger, fin, stranger things fan, this is 11's vibe season two. This is like her. She is literally um, based on Ellen Ripley. Take. Ripley. Yeah, she is like, that's, it's not even, Oh, you didn't come up with that. That's not even, no, no, it's just the thing. That's real. That's what it is. Um, yeah, and so, but, but Brian's right. Paul Reiser looks like he just woke up and they he like went to his trailer that day and they're like, hey, we have this space suit for you to wear. And he was like, no, fuck that. I'm going to rock this. I'm going to rock this <laughs> half zip. My, my wife just yeah. got me this L-L-Bean. nice L.L. Bean, Bean jacket. Yes. Uh, this just popped into my mind that, that you know, be prior to recording the episode, I we had talked about on this program before our great friend Keenan from Pop Out was getting married in October and I was going to wear my chances are white tuxedo outfit which nope the gym is in the wedding they're wearing suits not tuxedo so i feel that that's inappropriate what if i dress like buckaroo bonsai though that for would be good. The wedding? i would prefer you to dress like jeff goldboom and buckaroo bonsai with that cowboy outfit oh we could talk about that i yeah. do like jeff goldboom yeah. that Can might we be talk... a bit much though. all right so i know this whole movie is full of stuff that you would never do no matter what no matter what was that danger and how much money people were going to pay you but which thing would you least do because bishop going into the pipe that's mine (laughs) okay especially when they seal it behind him forget that this (laughs) this gets to my point i've never done this so this might be the only time we ever have this segment on the show this is a segment i'm going to entitle fuck no i wrote Fuck no, four or five times in my notes. And let me share these and and see if you agree with me, because it was the only thing that came to my mind as I'm watching the movie. Uh, There is a sequence where we start seeing aliens, multiple, crawling through the ceiling. Yes. In tiles. Fuck no. That that when the guy peeks up, that shot. Well, no, I mean, that whole sequence. So let's talk about that because I don't want to blow blow through that because this is what James Cameron does so well. And we talked, Brian, we talked about like setting up the action and knowing like the geography of things. And we also like one of the things that I loved when we when I listened to Unspooled and they talked about the Titanic is that they do such a good job of in that movie of of 
displaying the geography in in the storytelling in the first half of the movie. So when shit hits the fan, you know what's happening. It's like Die Hard esque. It's right. probably the only. It, those are the two movies that. But are in the this movie, primers of it. it's not the geography. It's the tools and the things that you can expect. So you're seeing that motion tracker early on in the movie, and you kind of get like a feeling like it it's going to be important or not. But like the way it comes back, and he subverts the idea of like the motion track tracker being useful, which mm-hmm. is like when they're tracking them and they're coming and they're like 10 meters six meters and she's like that's inside the room it is one of the tensest scenes yep and then that scene Just literally when she looks up those like that well, it's moment him, it's, it no she, yeah but she oh she looks does, up and then yeah, he says and he goes hold on it. he goes up when you see those aliens crawling in that way it is Ugh. so unsettling yeah Oh my god! And it's then they so start good. falling through. Uh, yeah, a hundred percent. I will scene, remember that scene it, forever. It's like yep. it's like almost the. Uh, and I I do wonder if that if that sequence influenced David Kep and Spielberg from that amazing Jurassic Park sequence. Oh yes, it's almost definitely. the reverse and the yes. sequence in the, the kitchen sequence. Because I don't think that's. The kitchen sequence might be in the book, but the the falling through the ceiling and the dino, the right. rap, I'm not sure that's there. All right. Second fuck no segment. Katie's already hit on. Fuck no. I wake up and the gun that I left on the bed is gone. And the jar with the O. It's somewhere. No. And they continue that feeling of like, because it's the small nope. one. Right, no, like the small care. one, face sort of hide. Right, don't, it's yeah, known as the so face. She hunter. just knows that it is somewhere, and that yep. thing can projectile through the oh, air so fast, so yeah. fast. Oh my god, my belly. I mean, okay, could not. I almost lost my bowels. Brilliant, by the way. Along with Bishop, it, that, this falls in. The, yeah, <laughs> with the, your Bishop milk. Uh, this ties into things we've talked about on the show before, where I think this is an isolated scene that you can pull out of a movie and is just brilliant filmmaking. Yeah. Like yep. of, of a level, like to me, this oh is like, God. if you had to, the sound sequences of, of her Jim banging yeah, and then they flip to they the other side of and the then glass. Burke, and Burke turning off the, oh the monitor. Oh God. This it's, is, it's edited so well. His lip, sweaty shot, upper lip everything. is another movie like predator. We talked about the sweat in this movie. Mm, is, amazing. You sweat. can feel how humid and gross it is. And then Paul Reiser's that like he has that upper lip sweat that is like so perfectly placed. Like I'm sure someone like sprayed him or did something. The fact that that's on his face when he's caught is just oh. it's such a little touch, but it makes you feel how uncomfortable he is in that moment because he's been kind of figured out. And oh, you yeah. know what's brilliant about that? I can't remember who was somebody was talking about this recently. This is like, God, I can't remember what director it was, but this is where I think like digital filmmaking has ruined things a yeah. little bit. Like that's something where they used to spend so much time lighting it that it would pop and it would be like amazing. And it's something I don't think in a modern time where they just use digital and CGI add something. I'm not sure they would have caught that or even thought of adding that, but it adds so much to a scene visually uh, to do this. Katie asked, like kind of brought this idea up. Things that terrify me are things in water. Mm. So the next fuck no segment is new 
in the water. Yeah. Okay, maybe this ties into an episode we've done in the past, which is Jaws. And I admitted I'm terrified when I swam in a pool as a child that somehow a shark would end up in there, mm-hmm. which is completely irrational. Anything, any movie where there's something slithering in water, yeah, to me is terrifying, completely terrifying. Oh um, my god! Our our uncle just told a story tonight of something bumping up against him in the ocean, and so his Whoa. instinct was to reach down and pick it up. I was like, oh, hell no. It was a horseshoe crab. It was a live horseshoe crab. Um, But you you don't pick that thing up. I don't go in the ocean. This is what kind of looks like the alien. Don't do it. Teeth and the legs inside of the horseshoe crab. This is a perfect example, though, Brian, because this scene, when I watched it again last night for the God knows how many times, I was like, wait a second. Ripley and, and Hicks are just walking down a normal hallway in this colony. And underneath them is just a river. Like, it makes no sense. Agreed. But it's done so well. Did you care? Did you no, even, no. Did you and even this say is the why first is this time, going on? This is the first time ever watching this movie. I was like, so there's just a river. Like, could you imagine what that hallway smells and feels like? It would just be like. Yeah. So so are we supposed to believe that it's sort of like a, a sewer system? Like that that is like the water system or are we to believe that everything was sort of like flooded because so many of the pipes it could be anything it could also be that it was just they were on such a lower level that actually that tube they were in was supposed to be carrying water and there's just a built walkway over it again but i i i I just have to say i there was a few issues with the planet that i what and i'm partly wondering like did i miss this like the water piece was a part of it the second thing and this literally could have been me just missing this they make a big deal about not using live ammo right it, but then so live ammo slightly is different constantly that's, that's and the I just wanted, there's two things no okay, no so i no. did oh i thought that was part of it i no. just was curious of what that like i feel like so, maybe i missed something there because i thought like they were like if we use live ammo it's gonna blow up yeah the then nuclear people, reactor then thing. people were like forget this i'm gonna shoot everybody yeah. with everything with so, no problem so the basically when they first go, there's there's the two places. So there's the the colony, which is like the living quarters and the and the ops where they and the med bay, and then there's like the the um, terraforming re like place, the reactor, and that's where all the aliens live because it's close to the reactor. Apparently, that's you know you would assume it's warmer it's like an incubator, right? Um, when they go there. They say don't use the they don't they they don't say don't use live ammo, but what they can't use is their explosive tip armor piercing rounds. So that's why Hicks pulls out the shotgun and he's like, I always keep this around. And Vasquez has the handguns. Those are completely fine because they're not explosive rounds and and armor piercing. Um, also not as useful against, against an alien. But when they they say F that is when people start dying and Vasquez just starts. So her and, and, um, the Drake, I forget the other guy's name. Um, they, they have snuck the ammo. There's a scene where she hands her ammo in and then she turns around and pulls like sneakily, sneakily takes out two clips and gives it to her and the other guy. Um, and so they have ammo and they start using it as soon as someone's been shot or, or someone's been killed. They just, she's like, I think she says like, fuck this. And she starts shooting like right away. Hmm. Um, from that point on, you don't go, they're not back there 
where the reactor would be a problem until okay. Ripley goes after Newt. Okay. So again, I didn't care yeah. that much. I was just curious. That does tie into movie. something that I've struggled with, Brian, for my whole time of watching this movie is they, they actually show you some maps and things and they're drawn in a terrible way. Like they don't, I, the characters are clearly understanding them, but there's no information for us to gather from mm -hmm. those maps. So and even filler, one is yeah. like a cross it's a cross section where you see the stairs. It's like cutting a house in half well, and viewing it from the side. Anyway, which, it's a lost yeah. skill, Jim. Don't worry about it. We're okay. <laughs> but uh, I think it was a missed opportunity where you could have like done give, that. Yeah. given some geography. Yeah. Do you know what though? The, to be fair, this is only this I found fascinating. Cameron had done some like smaller film stuff, but this is coming off of Terminator. Piranha Two. Yeah, and he shot this in Pinewood, and the crew hated him. The crew was treated him like trash so much. So he's like basically left Pinewoods like I'm never coming back and he's never gone back again. Um, you know, so his skill, I think, at especially with Titanic and other movies. And I honestly have to watch Titanic soon again because it's been so long. Yeah. But he got I feel like he got better even with like Terminator 2 and things like that of doing geography, of yeah. Yeah. laying things out uh, next Fuck no moment. This is where we get our explicit. This episode is why we get our explicit. Uh, the room full of eggs. Yep. Okay. Not comfortable. Even less comfortable. The fallopian tubes. <laughs> yeah. They're so of, big. They're the giant. Alien. Yeah. I'm okay. And I what knew they, they were fallopian tubes. I, yeah. I, I knew they were fallopian tubes because sure. we've established on the show before. Remember, when I was a young child, my father and I were forced to go. <laughs> I to didn't a sex think you had course. to do the female oh, no, as no, well we, as the male. We made the male one, but uh, we also were. You we were, learned were, about the female. We were, we were learned about. Well, the maybe one. it's time, Brian, to craft a 3D model. Yeah. The, I, I, the, the it is the reveal of the queen, which is uh, a pretty incredible monster design. Oh, my God. And a few things going in this scene. And again, it's totally ridiculous to slow pan that giant alien fallopian tube to finally look at the queen's mm. face, but it works yeah. as like an entrance of the big the big bad guy, bad woman. Um and I did So are we to believe <laughs> yeah, go ahead. that she can disconnect her body from her sexual reproductive organs? Yeah, she does. You see that happen. Mm. Oh, really? Yeah, remember yeah, she's like she detaches it's gross. You see running. it like pulling off. I think of her. maybe I was covering my eyes at that yeah. point. <laughs> that would have been a good. It um, would have been a good sequence to cover your eyes. Yeah, from, yeah, it's gr it's it's gross. It gives you the impression graphic, that, that the she's way. not Very going graphic. back to laying eggs anytime. So she's soon. done. The, yeah, those are her last <laughs> yeah. babies. So she's, she's really going to mess up. But but it is fascinating. She's popping those eggs out like nothing. She's still very productive. Yeah, and there's no humans to to incubate, so it's going to be an interesting after that but the 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 idea there that ripley kind of holds off the other aliens by threatening to to light the eggs on fire is really interesting mm -hmm. so like and the queen kind of pushes the other aliens away like no like don't don't do that and ripley backs up and then she sees the egg open and she knows that like the queen's not going to be able to stop that thing and ripley's just like at that moment it's interesting. I I ne I always thought at that moment she was just gonna kill everything, but now I start to wonder if she actually thought that 
they were just going to die and she was just going to take out as many as she possibly could. Mm. Um, because she decides to say F it and light the whole yeah, room on fire. Yeah, because going to be alive? And then she Who starts shooting grenades. that situation right. alive, right. probably. Um, how, does, yeah. how does this... One of the things I was thinking about, Jim, is we last week with Two Towers, we talked about how Two Towers is very different than most sequels because it's really more part of one giant movie that's yeah. sliced up. So as a sequel for you, how do you compare this with Two Towers? It's this just further the argument that like Two Towers is one yeah. thing. Is this, you know, what what makes this a different type of sequel or maybe a really totally successful different. sequel? Yeah. I think it's totally different because of the fact that Two Towers is is like it's hard to to compare anything to it because it was shot at the same time as the first and third movie. It was part of one giant story. It is not a singular um, movie where a be- you know it has a beginning and an end that are satisfying in and same of itself. Same director, same director, right? Same cast, all of that. Um, and I was telling Katie, how crazy is it that the Alien franchise, the first three movies, are directed by Ridley Scott? James Cameron and David Fincher, who are probably three of the greatest directors that we've seen in our lifetime. Um, that's that's just crazy to me. And you know, David Fincher didn't I don't think had a great script to work with, but you know, I I, I think Aliens is probably one of the better sequels that's ever been made. Well, as, as a true sequel. What, and one of the things I think that makes a sequel really great is if it can exist on its own. So you were talking about like watching the second one more than the yeah. first one. You can watch this as a standalone movie. Yeah. They fill in enough of, of the information that you need to understand it that you really don't have to watch the first. Right. That's certainly not true of Lord of the Rings. Oh, um, no. yeah. It's not. This is a self-contained story and in and of itself, it's excellent. It works. Yeah. Uh, I had a, a fuck yes moment. The only one in it. And maybe the most iconic imagery of this, yeah. which this is a movie I like imagine sitting in a theater and watching. And, you know, this is one of those I feel like. My God, I would have expe- wet my pants. Oh, but I watched this in a theater. Are you kidding? But I mean, this moment, Ripley coming out in the like exoskeleton mover thing. The, people had to be cheering. You know, this is this is like one of those things where people talk about why should you yeah. go see a movie as like a collective community experience? I imagine people after this whole ride and she comes out and does that. What the reaction yeah, this is, to that this must is, have been. This is the alien moment of like Captain America getting Thor's hammer. Right, like that in Endgame when he when he and it had to influence up, yeah. that, I'm sure. Yeah, like, they, yeah. Like it's, it's that moment where moments. she even gets her catchphrase, like or her, you know, her moment, like up close, like when she's like, "Get away from her, you bitch!" Like that line is ingrained in my head from the first time I saw it. Did she also inspire Bumblebee from Transformers? No, no. That pro- can, no, he, he was prior to this, I think. Oh man, yeah. yeah Transformers were around for quite a while, uh, actually. Yeah. Um. But yeah, the, the I always remember, and it was probably one of my like comic book collecting magazines or one of my like nerd sci-fi magazines back in as I was a kid. You could buy like a model like before like the it now has become like a huge industry. But like 
you could buy like a model of her in the exo mover whatever and i think it was like it wasn't even a model that you would put together it was like it was like a prop like it was for a real deal thing it was probably like 12 inches high and i think it was like four hundred dollars or something because it was like i wanted it so bad i'm sorry yeah Uh, no it's okay go look on ebay yeah, it's probably but twelve thousand dollars or is like not much. And mm. Sometimes it goes Highly the other it. direction. Yeah, I love that fight too for a couple reasons. the The idea of like her being resourceful again. Um. Yeah, we didn't even talk about her other moment, which is when she decides to go save Newt, and she she. she duct tapes a bunch of guns together which is just badass and then she comes out of the elevator and has a flamethrower and you're like okay she means business this is like this in in regards to lord of the Rings, this is like return of the king and the fact that there's like three endings of this movie well yes it, it, it there's some interesting and, and there's a lot even if you don't watch the 90s yeah uh, special edition i don't think anything's different as the nine uh, for like the last 20 minutes and then in the version. Yeah, it's no. mostly like build up stuff, right? Yeah. Uh best moment in the entire film. Katie, what what oh, did you God. what was yours? Favorite moment? Oh. Shit. I don't know. Like we were talking about the moment with Vasquez and the Gorman. lieutenant, the sor- sergeant, he's, he's the guy in charge. Um that's badass. That's a badass moment where like he pulls out the grenade and mm-hmm. she's like, you always were a asshole. asshole. And then they just have their moment and they blow shit up. That's a great moment. I mean, but they also caused Newt to fall down the hole. They also caused Newt to fall down the hole. It's yeah. true. Oh, I don't know. I like that moment. I also like, I, I like the ending. I like the, I like Ripley's use of the hatch again, like yeah. the callback to the first movie, the half of Bishop grabbing on to Newt, you know, yeah. I, the yeah. redemption of, of the, the synthetic the synthetic. Yeah. yeah the, the, to me, I, I could probably pick a hundred different moments. Um, every don't time I watch time it, for, don't have time for that. Yeah. The, the moment <laughs> for me, couldn't possibly, I don't think I ever really truly grasped as a kid how devastating that moment of them waiting for the ship to come and the pilot getting killed and seeing that ship kind of teeter and crash and burn. Like I knew as a kid, I was like, oh man, the ship caught it, was burned, you know, is broken. But, and it becomes like a major plot point that they can't get off the rock, but just, just like, I don't think I realized that the character, how much the characters realized that was such a shitty moment. And Burke tries to get them to sing campfire songs. A hundred percent. I mean, like the the yeah. notion would really would You're be dead, like that's right? we are dead now. Yeah. Right. Like, I mean, game over, man. Yeah. I that's mean, that's what Ripley, Hudson says. Ripley. Thank God for Ripley. She's the only one that keeps coming back to like there's there's gonna be a way. Like and we're gonna Bishop, figure it yeah. out. We haven't talked about this oh brian what's your your favorite well i mean let's let's discuss the the correct answer to this is when we realize that newt owns a my buddy right. <laughs> come Wait, on is that her doll head no casey's yeah, the doll head he, he's sitting right there my buddy my he's buddy, in the, my in the buddy, trash my shooter buddy, buddy <laughs> my buddy and me and you know he had a kid sister plot she hole. had a kid sister there mm. somewhere ripley's so smart 
she never asks Newt the most important question. What's in the box? No. How have you survived for this long? Hmm. Newt, Newt had tricks up her sleeve that they never ask her about. Like she, she has information about the aliens. Uh, she has information I, about how to stay alive. Yes, she I don't does. Think so. She knows where I they think, go. I she think knows when they go. She stayed alive because she was mostly because she was alone. Mostly. And wasn't alerting them to her presence. Yes, but I think so she like, also I don't think is it's that hard to figure observant. out how she Yeah. And I, I don't see that as a puddle. Oh, interesting. I did. I don't see any information they could gain from Newt that would have changed their outcome. Even just talking about how she travels, like she she clearly has used the air ducts to move about the place. Like she knows how to get places through there. That doesn't mean that the aliens won't come in there, but she's yeah. been safe traveling in those spaces. Okay. No. All right. What I was the other what was right, the other right. thing you wanted to delve into here? Just the idea of like the the company. Because in the in the extended nineties version, you get to see the colony like in action prior. You get to see like just people living their lives and and doing the work of the colony and you see them getting the um the order to go check out that the derelict ship um from alien um and you see kids like riding a big wheel that has the Waylon yutani like symbol on it and stuff like that and i think that's a that's like an undercurrent of this movie that is very like especially in that 90s version there are there's so many little references to um just how disposable these humans are and in in search of the dollar um and that was definitely present in the original alien um and i think it's if you watch aliens just the the theatrical release version it's a little less but it's still there um, but if you watch the nineties version, I think there are like three or four things added in that, um, just make it feel very cynical and very, very awful. Mm -hmm. I love it. Yeah. Well, listen, a great movie, uh, available lots of places, different versions of it. Amazing versions of it. Definitely worth watching. Now, here's the really interesting one. This is a difficult one. I think Jim could be on a fence here, maybe. Mm. We're going to do King the Hill or Bottom of the Barrel. It has been literally since, I think, February of this year that the number one movie has been Judas and the Black Messiah. I'm not even going to talk about Chris Monero's The Rookie until next week because there's a chance Chris Monero might finally be off the hook. Is this movie better than Judas and Black Messiah? Do I get to go? Because mm -hmm. it's my movie. Well, let me go. With, why don't you answer first, Brian? Because you're, you're I'm pretty sure you're going to say yes. I think I should wait. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to put the onus on the two of you. Okay. Oh, okay. I see. Um, so we had this conversation last week with the two towers and I did, we decided to put it off because Katie wasn't here. Yes. Um, and so I was really struggling. I don't know that I would definitely put the two towers at, at, at that point. It's really hard for me to, to make a decision on two towers for aliens. 
I like Aliens better than Judas and the Black Messiah. I I think the fact that this movie was made in 1986, like we are approaching 40 years? Like in in a few years, this is going to be 40 40 years old. Absolutely. This movie is like stunningly disturbing. (laughs) Like... I mean, Unbelievably well done, isn't practical it? You, effects, you couldn't imagine. The, the, like it is, it's it is a masterpiece. Um, yeah. We didn't talk about Sigourney Weaver. I mean, we, she's Sigourney incredible. Sigourney Weaver's amazing. I think she's so. It's she's so good. It's you almost take it for granted. That, yeah. To me, yeah. like like what she does is so seamless. Yeah, that everything else gets highlighted and you don't even think about what it is. She's I'm doing. so thankful they did not cross the line with her and Hicks. Yeah, I think yeah. they just got to a place of mutual respect. A good place. And that was it. It totally wasn't agree. like a like there was a little flirtatiousness, but, but it not never. Crossed yeah. It. Yeah, yeah, it was brilliant, like brilliant the choices. moment it happened, they were both like, no, we have a fucking job to do. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I agree. All right. Yeah, I, I'm fine with putting this yep. King of the Hill. And I I will too. We yeah. have a change. And Woo-hoo! next week, I almost guarantee you we'll have another so change. So do I. Because <laughs> next week I have a f- you've never seen Kenny Shack too. I think it might be Katie's favorite movie of all time. <laughs> next week's movie might be the worst movie we've ever Who done. Who is on the this star, show. Brian? Uh Jonathan Silverman. Uh um Chevy Chase, I think he got he showed up because they were paying him in cocaine for for the film. Uh, there is no Rodney Dangerfield. There, it, this is just I'm who takes his right plates now. though. It's um oh go, oh uh, Jackie Mason. Jackie, Jackie Mason. Let me tell you this right now. This is the only film we ever may do on this show to rival from Justin to Kelly. That's this, true. Th- this is going to be right <laughs> up there. That is from true. Justin. Yeah. All right, it's time for five questions. Here we go. You want answers? You want answers? answers. I want the truth! Make some man, Mr. Lebowski. What the fuck is the internet? Why? Why? All right, it is time for five questions with Jim this week. Uh, question number one. We've talked about a lot of sitcoms that were huge when we were kids or young adults or whatever. Paul Reiser was in Mad About You with Helen Hunt. And by the way, at the time, they were huge. I mean, there yeah. was it, it's really intriguing because there have been I don't know if I've, I can ever think of two people who were at the top of everything and we rarely see them anymore. Paul Reiser and Helen Hunt. Were you ever a fan? Thumbs up or thumbs down of Mad About You? I think I'm thumbs up on Mad About You. I remember I didn't I don't think we watched it like like religiously, but I remember I can remember there being a really funny Thanksgiving episode and that's all I can kind of remember something about the turkey. Uh, yeah. Um, but I remember thinking that it was, it was funny for a show that was sort of, you know, a standard sitcom. Okay, great. Yeah. Uh, all right, here we go. Next up. Would you rather, this is a tough one. This, yeah. this could be like a full, so we'll just get a quick episode. This could be like a full podcast discussion. Would you rather watch a Ridley Scott film or a James Cameron film? Well, my gut feeling says Ridley Scott because I'm immediately saying in my head, like, what have you done for me lately? And I think 
his obsession with Avatar is killing his career. Well, he is the uh, <laughs> James what's Cameron. his name of film. He is uh, your favorite from uh, Game of Thrones. He yeah. is the George R. R. Jar- yeah. Jar- of film. He just like keeps saying, "Oh, a film will come out eventually." No, no, no. It's, I, like, I, it's later. not. It's not the same though, because like I don't even think like George R. R. Martin can bring out the book, and it's going to be incredible because. He's a fantastic writer and it is a fantastic story. And I do believe that he will figure out a way to tell the story in a more interesting way than they well, did. On the he's already show. said that he's come out. However, he's going to change it. James Cameron is putting all his eggs in avatar and that movie kind of sucks. <laughs> I, I hated that movie. The moment I, the I saw it. Yeah, I love it. Love that. Sorry. Uh, sorry the that eggs. was great. That was great. That was perfect. Yeah. That was and, really and Ridley actually. Scott. I mean, I don't know what he's really done for me lately too. either. What what's recently has Ridley Scott done? I mean, did he do the other aliens? Yes, he did Prometheus. Yeah, and- I, I, I liked Prometheus. I'm more of a Ridley Scott fan because I think even if even when Ridley Scott fails, he for me he fails um, on ambition, and and well, I think true. I think James Cameron. Well, I think Avatar obviously is like one of the biggest selling movies of all time. I think it's a failure in storytelling. Um, yeah. James Cameron interests me because I feel like there's almost a Kubrick element to him and that he's so interested in the technology of filmmaking that it sometimes supersedes the actual medium that he's working. Right. In. But like, do you know, like, like, Avatar, all these Avatar movies, all you hear about him is is like he's designing cameras yeah. and he's but, like but that's what I mean by biggest, that. Like he's yeah. concerned about like he's concerned about like all of that stuff as opposed to Avatar, which is what is what are we actually watching as the film? Right, but the, the the right that's part of it. But I think at least Kubrick would would distill those things down to like a theme that made some kind of sense and not. Like there's no depth to have Avatar at all. It's such a, it's yeah, such a. It's so interesting because there are games that like Titanic, T two, yeah. Abyss that are awesome. But Ridley Scott, man, Alien, Blade Runner. I mean, those two alone, you could probably. The Martian, I thought was excellent. Yeah, uh, Prometheus. I really did like Prometheus. Uh, Alien Covenant too. is not a th- like people hate those Alien movies. I'm not as down on them um no i think that there was backlash on those that were gi jane gladiator yeah gladiator all right here we go film the black questions um legend legend have you ever seen legend yeah i've seen legend darkness amazing film uh jim what's the amount of money it would take you to become a colonial marine literally zero dollars i would do it tomorrow <laughs> oh, <laughs> no, really? i'm kidding this is a good piece of the puzzle piece yeah, of the puzzle no uh all the money yeah in the world so here's the thing my guess is that the colonial marines are badasses and they're not doing like i don't get the idea that this is their day-to-day I guess my idea of their day to day is just like going and checking on colonists. Not there's not aliens. It's intriguing. Like, I feel like there could be, I would love them to have constantly had great directors be involved in the alien universe, but do different things. Cause I think there's a really intriguing movie, probably just on the colonial Marines. And there was a comic book called the colonial Marines and it followed like these groups. Yeah. Was it good? Yeah, it was fun. All right. Um, all right. Favorite question, Jim. What's your favorite Bill Paxton movie? Okay. I I got this down to two, 
and I think I'm picking the less popular one. So I'll give you the 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 loser first, and that is while you were sleeping. No, I agree. Uh, <laughs> isn't that no, Bill Pullman? Not even close. That's Bill Pullman. Oh goddamn it! Bill Pullman. Um, <laughs> I do person. love why I do love why you. Were they sleeping. are not I'm the same person. Bill Pullman, Peter Gallagher, Sandra Boy, Peter Boyle. Great sign me up. Let's do it. Weird science. Oh, so good. Chet. Where Bill Paxton plays Chet, the older brother, yeah, yeah. is a fantastic movie. Uh, probably prob very problematic at this point. Oh, yes. Uh, we should do a whole problematic movie month from the oh, 80s. Oh, that will be in 2022. Don't worry. Okay. We'll add it to the list. Problematic and then, films. That's, <laughs> every movie we watched as a child, basically. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but the other one I'm going to pick, and actually he starred in and directed is a movie called Frailty with oh, so Matthew good. McConaughey. Amazing which movie. is basically like a, a Stephen King written script. It's not, he had nothing to do with it, but it, to me, it, it, it's, it's very much in line of like the Stephen King kind of thriller, um, supernaturally kind of movie. It's, it's an amazing, um, kind of like a, like Matthew McConaughey is, is a, uh, a guy getting interrogated for possible murder um, or being asked questions because they think his brother's a murderer. And it's this whole convoluted story that he ends up telling about his childhood. Bill Paxton plays his father. It's a great movie. One of my favorite Bill Paxton roles is one of the most underrated Tom Cruise movies, which is Edge of Tomorrow with Emily Bunn. Mm, I forgot he was in that. If you've never seen what a movie, yeah, like it's cool. amazing movie. All right. Finally, deep thoughts question. If you woke up from cryo sleep, it's 57 years later and it's 2078. What is something you would be excited to say? What, what would you want to like see? I would imagine experience? everything would kind of be exciting. Well, yeah. And... So yeah, maybe. Yeah. So is there um, one thing that you would just be like, that would be kind of cool to see if like is every, this, so this, here's this. the thing. Like, is it just me who's been asleep or is like, is my family in cryo no, sleep and we all you. wake up? Well, I'd it's probably be excited you. to see what they're up to. Oh, good answer. That was yeah. my hook. I was going to try to get you and be like, you don't want to see your kids. I you don't am see like kicking ass, teaching yoga on the beach. So waiting yeah. for you to wake up. You yeah. are like 99. Yep. Living the dream. Living and the dream. I'd be like a young man. You would. Oh my God. It's like my dream come true. <laughs> Ultimate Cougar. <laughs> All right. Uh, that's five questions. Any recommendations quickly? Anything anybody's been watching, listening to? Oh, my God. I'm finishing Transparent. The end of Transparent is this like wild musical that at the beginning I was like, what is this? It's brilliant. I can't wait to finish it. It's so good. Judith Fabulous. Light is a dream. If you are one of those people who has not taken the time to figure out how you can watch Ted Lasso. What do are you yourself doing with a favor? I forgot it to wear gets my Ted better Lasso every day, shirt. every episode. I have my Ted Lasso uh, jersey delivered. Get your COVID vaccine and watch Ted Lasso. Yeah, um, save lives. Just a reminder: by the time this is released, the amazing Kyle Mills, Vince Flynn, Mitch Rapp, new novel "Enemy at the Gates" will be available for purchase. So Ooh. you should absolutely do that. Our friends over at No Limits will obviously be uh, discussing that. Fabulous book. I've read it. Uh, my criterion choice of this week, Brian De Palma's Body Double. Weird, not appropriate, but really, really intriguing. All right. 
All right. Uh, Like, share, subscribe, review. Make sure you're listening to the shit show because I can only tell you we've recorded many episodes that we're waiting to release and Mm -hmm. it is you will be shook to the core. It's it's getting it's getting good. I can't wait to see where things go. You could Uh, say spicy there. I just a tease. This is a tease. And this is weeks down the line until Mm -hmm. this episode goes. I was concerned. I'm very happy to know Jim. Because he told a story in our last episode, he could have been a missing child. Mm-hmm. It could have been a milk carton kid. You could have been a milk carton kid. So I'm just going to throw that out there. Make sure that you uh, do that and make sure uh, for our next episode, you join us for one of the worst films ever made. That's a tea. I mean, one of the worst films of all time. <laughs> all, right. all right. Goodbye, everybody. Bye. 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 Bye.